than bubble. I'm, I'm with you guys on when you think of bubbles, isn't the first thing that you think of bursting. Put it on the poll. Welcome to another interview special today on Burst Your Bubble. Um, you notice I'm doing this intro alone. Um, does anyone have a guess why? Well, if you guess Josh is on another vacation, then congratulations, you have a new free car. Just uh, at jkeatno22 on Twitter to follow up on that, and he will make sure that you get your new keys in your hands uh, by the end of the weekend. Um, anyways, just before this fun conversation with Dan Favalli, I mean, there's not a better guy to talk to about basketball. He's funny. He's knowledgeable. He's one of the editors of NBA Math. He, he loves the stats. He's the social director of, of Blue Wire Pods, the mothership. He's a great guy to talk to. A very fun NBA convo with a funnier guy, Dan Favalli. Here it is. P.S. Just going to say this beforehand you know when we try to make these zoom conversations as comfortable as possible sometimes you uh forget to hit record so uh hand up on this one man enough to say hand up but here's a very fun conversation with david valley if i was ever in a position to hire which as a writer you typically are not unless you go to editing which i've not necessarily had a huge interest in mm. uh i i hope that more of these positions these internships become not just paying but where people can properly paid and there's a level of idealism there I guess and it's hypocritical because again I started out writing for free but it's really not fair to the people there's talent out there there are people that if they don't have a safety net in any form um, you could work your butt off and it doesn't matter you could still have a safety net that someone else doesn't have it creates this barrier for entry that not everyone's able to overcome and that's something that's been wrong with the sports media landscape in addition to many other things for a while now. And unless you're in a position, I guess, to, to hire, um, I don't necessarily know the solution, but I do think people like, and I don't want to throw myself in here because I'm irrelevant in the, the bigger sports media landscape, but the people that came up, I think it's important to look out for the people that are coming up. Yeah, that's a, that's, you know, that's a common thing. Everyone kind of, it's uh, the saying, you know, don't forget where you grew up, don't forget, you know, where your roots are, that kind of thing. So don't, you know, you don't ever want to lose yourself whenever you're growing and continue to, to become more engaged in whatever industry or sphere that you're, you know, you're growing with. So I think that's a, that's a great point. So like Keller said, I love going into, uh, into people. Um, I love sports. It's, you know, we're first and foremost a sports podcast, but I love diving into people. So um, I kind of got some of these questions, uh, you know, that I asked just randomly. Um, how much sleep do you get a night, Dan? Oh, God. Uh, that's another problem with this industry, I think, is you have to be a, a maniac, really, to um, survive long term. And uh, I probably it's it varies is the problem. I'll get anywhere between two and seven hours a night. And there's mm. been I probably average about one all nighter per week with all the things that I'm doing. I don't think that's Ooh. healthy. And that's something else I wouldn't advocate for. And it builds up a sleep deficit <laughs> to where, you know, now that I'm getting a little older after a month of doing that like there's going to be, I'm going to wind up crashing at some point for like 12 hours or something at a, at a time. Not to get too personal. Are you, are you married, kids, anything like that? Married without children. And the other thing is I do, I respect anyone who has a family and is able to juggle, not just working in this industry, right. but I don't know how people juggle work and family period, because I do a terrible job of just having a wife. So I could only Me imagine, <laughs> um, me too. Do with children. I, I have a wife and a kid and I do the worst job at it. So I completely feel you there, but uh, I'm going to dive into some NBA questions and Josh is going to sprinkle in some more random questions throughout there throughout the rest of the proceedings, probably. So uh, the reason you're here, let's talk about them. The New York Knicks. I mean, they're the seven seed. 
tells you all you need to know about the Eastern Conference. Yeah, even though, hey, Miami's surging. You know, they're what are they nine and one in their last ten, something like something like that. What are the chances? Are mine your New York Knicks getting to the playoffs? Oof, God, that's such a loaded question. Uh, I don't think they're going to. They have like I believe one of the two or three toughest schedules remaining, and they do still have some issues on on offense. The other thing is, I don't want to say I don't it's believe in their defense because there's, yeah, <laughs> he's been spectacular. But you just look at their defense, and they give up a ton of shots at the rim and from beyond the arc. And while that's worked out for them, and there's a there's a concrete foundation to how they're playing, which I don't think they've had in quite some time. I just don't know that that's the best model for long-term success. And I fully expect the other thing here is, you know, as the Hawks get healthier, they're number eight right now. The Raptors are nine. Uh, even the Pacers, if they get Levert and TJ, I think TJ Warren's a few months away, but maybe the Knicks get into the play-in. I would be a little bit surprised, though, if they're actually in the first round of the playoffs. So uh, uh, you mentioned those top 10 teams, you know, you mentioned the Raptors that the, uh, the Knicks sadly are probably going to fall out. I think the Raptors, I hope the Raptors fall out as well. I'm just not a big Kyle Lowry fan, I guess. Uh, who, so who are you do not you think? a Kyle Lowry fan? I, I just, I that is upsetting. Let's not, let's not get into it. Uh, who do you think replaces them in the top eight? Is it the Hawks? Is it the Wizards? It wouldn't be the Wizards for me. I don't. I don't trust them at all. Uh, I would probably pick the Raptors unless they move Kyle Lowry. If we're looking at specifically the, the top eight, uh, but again, the, the Pacers would be interesting. I think when you're looking at it, the two teams that seem like they're going to fall out are the Knicks and the Hornets. The Hornets are frisky with Lamelo Ball and Gordon Hayward, Ter- um, Terry Rozier, Malik Monk. They're all playing well this season. I, th- I think the team though that's outside of the top eight right now that I could see getting in there, like to where they're a level above those nine and ten playing spots. I think it's going to be the Raptors, mostly because I don't expect them to trade Kyle Lowry. Okay. Well, yeah, and you know Kyle Lowry is great. You just can't really trust him whenever you get into the playoffs. Uh, I'm a huge. I love the guys that stick with teams long term, and that's what Kyle Lowry did. Uh, you know, the statement came out. I think it was yesterday where he said that he wanted to retire a Raptor, whether it was a one day contract or whatever. They just hadn't traded him. What? They just hadn't traded him. It's not like he stayed with him. They just didn't trade him. Well, he did well, resign I mean, um, the extension when he could have opted for yeah, free agency yeah, and probably yeah, got a longer-term yeah. deal. Fair point, so. fair point, fair point, fair point. Go ahead, Josh. What's your question? So, I, I love that we're in the East. Uh, Kyler and I have this debate all the time. The Nets, are they actually hey. good enough no. for a championship? Josh, and actually, we haven't talked since the four-headed monster has formed. Blake Griffin has come to Brooklyn. We're, it's over. It's over, right? They are the betting favorites. They, but, Dan, are they good enough? I, they are good enough. I I would think that just looking at how Milwaukee can match up defensively and now with Philly, the way they can match up defensively, I think those two teams can give the Nets a real run. I don't know that the Heat or the Celtics really could, but I think if you're the Nets, you have to be feeling, even with the Kevin Durant stuff, you have to be feeling particularly confident now that Joel Embiid is dealing with a, another injury. Um, he's only supposed to be out, I think, two to three weeks with a, a bone bruise in his left knee. So there is that. But just knowing historically his own injury track record and the fact that you have so much star power, if you're the Nets, I don't think they're unbeatable right now. They still need like that combo big or combo forward short. That They seem like that one player away. But at full strength, the idea of trying to beat them four times in seven games, if you were to say that you think the Nets are just the by far and away favorite in the East, I don't necessarily know that I have a good argument to go up against you. 
uh, yeah, I completely agree with you on that. But on top of these as well, you know, you mentioned Joel Embiid's injury. Now, how how concerning long term is that bone bruise to you? I mean, do, looking forward to the playoffs, do you think this will this will be something we'll be talking about again? If it's really just a bone bruise, it shouldn't be an issue for them. I guess where the problem comes in is that if the timeline's two to three weeks, but you just know Joel Embiid's history and how important he is to the team. Maybe you want to give him a little bit longer. And what does that do to your seating? Because, you know, you're only – you're probably not going to fall lower than third, I guess, just because the Nets and the Bucks they're both within three games of you, but Miami's in fourth in their uh, six losses back as, as we're recording this. So your seating is, is kind of safe, and I don't think once he comes back, again, I would expect him to be fine. But, you know, maybe it's just sort of increases their urgency to go out on the trade deadline and get another shot creator because Philly has not been good when Joel Embiid doesn't play this year, even during the minutes when he's – you know, he's played the game, but he's just off the court. They're getting slaughtered this season. And so I think Ben Simmons is a really good player. Tobias Harris has been great, but you probably need another half-court initiator. And I would think that having an Embiid injury to where you know he's coming back, but he's also missing, let's say, let's say he winds up missing a month, maybe that increases the front office's urgency to go out on the trade deadline and find another playmaker. So um, after that 16-for-16 performance and 3-for-3 three for, three for from – from deep, I mean, do you expect Giannis to completely take over the NBA playoffs, take nothing but threes, and, you know, Kevin Durant really his way to the, to a title? Uh, I don't expect him to take over the playoffs just because we've I've seen it too many times now where it doesn't feel like he has enough counters on offense. But he's still really good. And I think he's got the bank, bank, I think he's got the bank shot three down. I mean, it seems like every, every three he makes, it's just banging Those off the glass. Fall in, the, in the postseason, though. Um, yeah. So, yeah, but if he's going to bank in threes uh, and he says the bank's open on Sundays for him, then, then he's in good shape. But, he's, you know, you mentioned him. If the, the Bucks could finish first in the East, and if they do, I know he's won twice in a row and people don't like voting for players over and over again, but his MVP case is getting awfully interesting now. I'm, I mean, so – Josh and I were just talking about the MVP race, and I said that. He argues LeBron's case is too strong. His case is too strong? Uh, the, the narrative. It's, it's all about the narrative. The MVP is a narrative award, and the LeBron narrative is there from last year, didn't get it. The team still looks good. He's still doing incredible things at his age. The, the narrative for LeBron is there again. I probably – the narrative for LeBron is strong, and you know, I don't think his age should factor into it, but some people might. They're just going to be like, oh, he's age 36, and we could have voted him MVP every single year if we wanted to up until this point. So, yeah, look, it seems like it's between Embiid, Jokic, and LeBron, and now that you have Embiid missing some time, maybe that you know kind of – I don't know if it closes the door on him, but it's going to hurt. I do think the door's still open for Giannis to get in there, but those feel like the four guys who are going to – going to wind up being in the the meat and potatoes of the conversation for the rest of the year okay so yeah talk- so i want to talk about one of the snubs uh from the mvp and that is sorry Kelly, that's steph yeah. curry uh steph curry yeah. has been putting on you know great shows but last night agree. we saw a rare moment from steph and him giving a fiery speech to the teammates and kind of going off getting everybody engaged so what is what's going on in golden state oh so and i've got a I've got, roster's uh, really poor I actually have a, a, se- a secondary question for you to follow up for, on that. What does Steph have to do to win that MVP? For him to win, I think people weigh team success a lot, and we're not at the point where people are distinguishing between performance when he's on the court versus purely off because the Warriors are, you know, they're probably like a, playing at a 45-win pace when he's on the court. Um, they're just awful when he's off. The offense 
craters. They're so bad. Their shot selection is straight out of 1993 or something like that. And they're, yeah. they're just not hitting those looks. Um, and I don't know if, look, if he can up with this team, let's say the Warriors win at a 45 win pace or whatever that ends up being this season, since it's only 72 games, that's just not enough probably when you have elite guys on elite teams who profile as just as valuable to your team, because I think Giannis is just as valuable to the Bucks, LeBron just as valuable to the Lakers. You do kind of need to separate yourself with overall wins. And it can't purely be about, you know, do we penalize LeBron or Giannis because the Warriors built a really poor complimentary roster around Steph. So his on off differentials are, are larger. It's a tough conversation to yeah. have, but looking at historical criteria, I don't know that Steph will be in the mix outside of the top four. If let's just say he gets into the playoffs, he gets the seven, gets the seventh seed, gets the seventh seed, first round matchup against the Suns. That's must watch. I'd, I'd probably pay pay per view for that. I would not want to be the upper seed in the West that has to play a Stephen Curry team in the first round. That I can say. I mean, any series, you know, if it's Lakers Warriors, that would be must see. That's just you know you'd expect the Suns or the Lakers or the Jazz, the Clippers, whoever it is to win that series. But Stephen Curry is a top five player in the league right now. And so he's certainly capable of going on a streak that propels the Warriors to beat any, almost anyone, I would say four times in seven tries. So did you like the, uh, did you like the Steve Kerr move to bench Wiseman for three quarters for missing the COVID test? No, I, the Warriors are in this weird place where they're refusing to kind of go all in on this season. And I understand it because of the Clay Thompson injury, but you also can't tout this as a developmental season and then not play who is probably the single most important player to your long-term future at this point. And then to put him in during garbage time was kind of just like, what are you doing then? You either need to steer this thing all the way through. Uh, so I was not a fan of it. I under, Look, you need to take your COVID test in the NBA. I totally get that, but um, it's, the Warriors have been delivering inconsistent messaging on that front and coupled with just some of the mistakes the front office made when looking, no, they didn't have money to spend, but the way they built this roster on the margins was weird. And then Steve Kerr's rotations get wonky where it's like, you know, Steph isn't going to come in um, before the five or six minute mark in the fourth mm -hmm. quarter. Like no matter, like they've made a lot of questionable decisions, I guess is the best way to put it this season. And that Wiseman, you know, punishment, whatever you want to call it was definitely among them. Yeah. I think that's this is two years now of, of inconsistencies and, and questionable calls by uh, leadership in Golden State. And it's just kind of it's very head scratching from, you know, the what looked like was going to be one of the longest run dynasties, you know, that we've seen, which it still was a, you know, a great run. But, mm -hmm. you know, you thought it was going to go for a lot longer than it did. And it just kind of uh, fizzled out with some of the obviously the injuries played a big part in that. And yeah. Kevin Durant leaving. But. Um, who, who knows just, about the clay injury though who knows? <laughs> i am curious to see where they would be with with clay thompson i just don't as good as clay thompson is he was coming back from a torn acl anyway mm. and he probably my guess would he would have been okay defensively but he was never going to give you the they need another guy who can handle the ball and shoot because draymond green is you know he doesn't want to shoot at the rim let alone he's not going to take a, a ton of threes and so i think they'd be better obviously, but they'd still be in a little bit of a similar position because Andrew Wiggins running the offense without Stephen Curry or Brad Wanamaker, it's just not the answer. Yeah, you're exactly right. So we uh, we mentioned the Phoenix Suns earlier. They're the team that got me into basketball. I've mentioned that a lot on this podcast. We were finally back in the limelight, back in the contender sphere. Just made up that word. This, but the Suns and the Nuggets, um, both of them have been on um, a tear recently. So uh, what have you liked from each of those teams over the past 10, 20 games? 
I can't quote the Suns this season at all, just their their entire year. Uh, the, the depth that they have on this roster, I think, is really undersold. Uh, people who aren't following the league at a national level probably don't understand how valuable Dario Sarge is when mm. he's been playing for them, using him at the five. He's closed some games, closed games for them at the five. Uh, having Chris Paul, one of the most clutch players in the league. Devin Booker, uh, you know, he put the empty calorie stuff to bed a while ago, but we're in all NBA territory with him right now with the way that he's been MVP. Been playing. I, I don't know if he's an MVP. I think there's there's storyline narrative narrative. There's narrative, but you also have Chris Paul on this team. I think you could argue Chris Paul is just as valuable, and so it gets tough to sort of vote for one or the other. Um, the question for them, though, is just what are they going to get from DeAndre Ayton on a night-to-night basis and in the playoffs? Because closing with Dario Sarge is fine when you're going up against the Blazers or regular season Lakers team that doesn't have Anthony Davis. I don't know if you get away with that in a postseason series against the Lakers. I don't know if you get away with that. You're going up against the Jazz and go with Rudy Gobert. I don't think you're going to get away with that. Can you count on Ayton, who's shown you know, his offensive game is underdeveloped, I would say but he's shown defensively that he can be really good. I just, are they going to have the impetus to be like, Hey, should we go out and just get a PJ Tucker at the trade deadline as emergency insurance up front? Because right now, again, the the Sarge minutes have been destroying opponents, but there are certain teams in a playoff series. The nuggets would be one of them that you just look at. And it's like, well, can we get away with doing this with three minutes left and we're within two points or something. And then if we can't is eight in the guy to help us close and Aiton has been too inconsistent this year, I think, to uh, to go to say one way or the other that hey, this this is enough. Thank you, muted buddy. Josh, you're muted, buddy. Oh, that's the storyline of 2020 and 2021. You're muted. Um, so, do you? So, what basically what you're saying is Aiton can't be your third best player on a championship winning team. I think the right idea now. of Aiton. I think right now, no. Right, I think the idea of Aiton, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm. You talk to the guys at the time, my pod, um, also Blue Wire podcast, mm-hmm. they know I'm high on Aiton and they've tried to talk me down on him, I think, steadily over the past six months and they're getting there. The idea of him, if he could just roll with more force because we've seen what happens when he works off of screens. Uh, yes, and seeing what he can do defensively, I, I think he theoretically could be, but right now he can't be your third best player if you, if you want to win the title. So uh, speaking of third best players winning the title on a team we just mentioned, the Utah Jazz, I mean, they're top of the Western Conference, headlined by their star duo Donovan Mitchell defensive player of the year Rudy Gobert but how far can this team go with Jordan Clarkson as its third best player is Jordan Clarkson their third best player between Conley Donovan Mitchell Rudy Gobert I would think yes. that those are their top three I I don't I don't know that there's a case for me personally to have Jordan Clarkson over Conley Mitchell or, or Gobert as their third well third I, I would put I would put him through I'd put him three I'd put him over Conley Oh, Conley's been spectacular for them. He's, been, he's played well this season, for sure. I think um, they're so deep that mm-hmm. regardless of what you're going to look at as they're playing, uh, their player pecking order, they're going to be a problem for anybody. I think really the two things that uh, people not miss about them, one of the things people miss about them is they think that Rudy Gobert can just be schemed off the floor in any matchup. And it's just, it doesn't happen. We saw it to an extreme in that one Rocket series. Um, and they also kind of figured out how to keep them on the floor by the end mm-hmm. of it. And the other thing I'd point out um, that actually is a problem, they need like a, a bigger wing defender. Like, you know, Royce O'Neal is good, but he's undersized. Uh, Joe Ingles, good, but he's not super quick. And yes, he locked down Paul George in, in a, like one playoff series, but, you know, we're a couple years removed from that. He's older. Mm-hmm. And if you're going up against the Lakers or the, 
the Clippers even, the problem is, is if you take one of their guys out of the equation, there's still another one um, that they're just not built to defend. Uh, Boyan Madonovich, really, he's shown some one-on-one stuff in the past, but to have him, is he going to be the guy that guards LeBron? Is he going to be the guy that guards Anthony Davis or Kawhi or Paul George? No. So I, I think they're that type of player short. And that's with the caveat that no one can stop any one of those four guys I just mentioned, but you need an obvious body to go up against them. And I don't think the jazz have that right now. So, uh, so just real quickly, who do you believe in more the Phoenix suns or the Los Angeles Clippers? Ooh, that's a good question. I'm so high on the Suns, but I think yeah. I lean towards the, the Clippers, which is kind of a risk when you look at how they've defended, but Wrong. Uh, between Kawhi and Paul George, I, I think you have to go with the Clippers. Well, I think yeah. Paul George in the, the playoffs, Paul George. Kyler and I are from Oklahoma City, so we understand the uh, the way off P uh, and the things that happens when you get in the playoffs. Imagine, Josh, just um, imagine going to a playoff a playoff press conference, telling people your name is Playoff P, and then getting beat by the Jazz two straight years. Just uh, get out of here, play uh, Paul George. Get out of here. Anyways, let's but, move. Dan, let's this see. is what's funny about our show. Kyler can't stand Paul George, but he loves Kevin Durant, and he's an Oklahoma City Thunder fan. So well, we're going to go hey. ahead and skip past that, but we will get into the Thunder a little bit. Because well, um, Kevin Durant obviously, plays basketball well in, in big games. Obviously a rebuild year for the Thunder, um, a rebuilding period mm-hmm. for the Thunder. Um, what are your thoughts on what's going on in Oklahoma City with some of the moves that Sam Presti's made? I mean, I think they have every draft pick between now and the end of yeah. time in their mm-hmm. possession, uh, even trading Diallo uh, on yeah. Friday night for yeah, Shfi. Yeah. Uh, they got a second round pick out of that too, because of course they got a pick in that deal. Of course, they've been, they've been like frisky on defense and I've been so on certain nights because they're not a great defensive team. And I've been so impressed with what Shea Gilgis Alexander has done without a safety net on offense. I thought maybe he would try and really like increase his volume and then be like semi-efficient, but he's just been like super efficient. Um, And the offense has been, you know, quality with him on the court. And I think now you look at him and the most important part of any rebuild is do we have that North star, the player who can guide everything we do from this point forward. I think he's on that level. Um, And if it's a conversation, you know, if the Kings think De'Aaron Fox is that guy, I certainly think Shea Gilgis-Alexander is that guy. If the Grizzlies think John Morant is that guy, I think Shea Gilgis-Alexander is that guy for for the Thunder. Um, It'll be interesting to see, though, what kind of happens on the margins for them. Um, We know they have Lou Dort. Um, I've been a little bit, as someone who's really high on Darius Baisley coming in, I don't really know that he's shown enough. Um, Taylor Maladone's been sort of interesting. Um, I'm intrigued by Poku. He's going to be good. Yeah, I think coming in, that was the guy that people looked at were like, this is someone that a rookie that people have, have slept on. Um, but it's, you know, how many of these guys are going to end up being building blocks? I don't know that it matters because you have Shea, you have Lou, and then you have every single pick basically moving forward. LeBron James Jr. I mean, yeah, you could plan for him. Or I don't think people are probably talking about this enough, but, you know, they have the assets to go out and get a star if they become available. Ooh. Like if this is a situation where, you know, let's fast forward a year or two. Uh Carl Anthony Towns is available or Bradley Beal is available. Like they have the assets to go out and get those guys. I don't know that they would ever do that, but they have a lot of options in front of them. Here's what the Thunder would do instead of that. Um, I believe it because they, I, I think they know that if they go and get a Bradley Beal, a Carl Anthony Towns, they wouldn't necessarily be their happiest in Oklahoma city. And that's, you know, I, I live here, you know, so there's no shadow, no, no shade to Oklahoma city, but 
if they were to package those picks up to the number one pick to get a guy like Cade Cunningham, could that turn around their franchise enough to win a championship in the next 10 years? Yeah, I mean, if you have Cade and Shea long-term, you're probably fine. I would just be, if you don't have the number one pick this year, I don't know why you would ever, like, or if you have it, excuse me, I don't know why you would trade it because you're most likely not a team that's in a position to win. Like if it was the Warriors, let's say they just, they finish in the lottery and it's not going to be the Minnesota pick because that's top three protected, but their own pick finishes number mm. one. Maybe they're a team that considers it, but given how they've treated, um, you know, James Wiseman, like basically is untouchable, it feels like they're probably a team that wouldn't even do that either. So they could do that in theory in any given year. I don't mm. know that 2021 would be the year that OKC yeah. would have that chance. Yeah, you're right about that. Cade's a killer though, huh? Cade is, man. Hey, a big win last night against Baylor. Go Pokes, Pistols Fire, baby. Huge win last night. But, uh, so I'll, there was something else about Oklahoma City. Uh, oh, Poku. You know, we finally hey. get back to the lineup with the startup. You know, have I know we went back to the G team. He's uh, could be the unicorn. He's got, he's got a lot to build on right now. That's kind of, you know, he's developing, turning into that guy. Do you think that uh, Poku has a chance to, to become a star? Star? I, I haven't seen enough of him to say whether I would think that. I will say from what I have seen of him is he's not shy. And so there's going to be that, that level of aggression is going to be good. If he can fill out a little bit to where he doesn't feel as, you know, rail thin, he's, you know, this big dude that has the skills of like a wing sort of, which is huge. Um, and so all those guys, you look at them and think, well, they, yeah, there's a chance that they could really, you know, pop um, or explode. But it's too soon to say. I I will say that I guess the pick doesn't seem people build it as a reach at the time. It probably wasn't as big of a reach, even though he's still uh, – he's pretty clearly going to be a project. But just looking at sort of his – I don't even want to call it feel because I don't know that it's that there, but the the raw skills, uh, he's he's tantalizing. Yeah, and he's only 19, which is crazy. And you guys know that Darius Baisley right now is the longest-tenured Oklahoma City Thunder player? How crazy is that? I did see that after the Diallo trade, which is hysterical. That is there, there's basically, man, I wish he could be uh, – if his consistency could just, man, come along, he would be be a great – become a great young player. But uh, I just got a couple more questions for you. Dan, thank you so much again for joining us. Follow him at Dan Favalli. Fav- Fav- I said that Favalli, right? Say that right? Yeah, that's correct. I'm yeah. so sorry, the Valley. So right. just like just like it sounds, just like it spelled spell just like it sounds, go follow him everywhere. Man, your tweets, I love following your NBA tweets. They're really great during games. They're hilarious. So I've just got a quick game of who you got, three different series, potential series. They're, you know, obviously they're not set in stone. Mavs versus Jazz, first round, who you got? Jazz. Josh? I don't know. That that, that, Luca needs help. Yeah. Okay. The Mavericks are in trouble right now. Okay. All right. Second up, Lakers Nuggets first round. Injured AD. Who you got? Oh, injured AD. Yep. Nuggets. They've been cut. They've been low key on fire for the past few weeks. Michael Porter Jr. is playing well. Jamal Murray's playing well. Uh, if the Lakers don't have AD, you know, I don't. I'd be curious to see, you know, what team they. You can guarantee they'll be in the first round. Okay, Josh. Uh, I'll take the Lakers. Uh, I'm. I just. I don't, there's there's two things I don't do in life. I don't bet against Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, and I don't bet against LeBron James in the first round of the playoffs. So that's just <laughs> – You always pay your taxes. That's right. Well, so, easy now. Uh, Follow extension anyways. So uh, Clippers, Blazers, first round, who you got? I'm pausing on this longer than I should. It, sh- it should be the Clippers, but – No, it shouldn't. 
I don't know why. Look, Kawhi, Paul George, Marcus Morris, like this team is it's scary. The defense is definitely curious yeah. right now. But you look at the Blazers, they have CJ coming back, but their defense is it's even worse than how the Clippers are playing. So I don't think that to me, I still think would be like Clippers in five. I thought about it longer than I thought I would, but I still think it'd be a Clippers in five situation. I I agree with Dan. I think it would probably be a five game series with the Clippers. But when you look at the Clippers, you just think you look at all these guys, you're like, this should work. This is this is a group of guys that it should work, but it it just it hasn't. But it should. And the questions are, I do think people are probably they've turned Paul George into too much of a meme because he's so good. But the playoff questions about him are are actually fair. We've seen Paul George on in the playoffs, um, but yeah. we've also seen him off. And you do need, especially when you play offense the way the Clippers do, where as of right now anyway, they're like there's not a ton of uh, like ball movement in general, but there's also not a ton of like off ball movement when you're looking at their players. You need the guys like Paul George who are going to create from scratch. You know that Kawhi is going to be dynamite, but you need your other ball handlers to play well. And not only do they have Paul George who let's just he's been somewhat a whole out card. You have Lou Williams, who good regular season player, but we've seen that his foul baiting doesn't work in the playoffs and his efficiency is normally declined in the playoffs. So they're definitely a team where they look so good on paper, like you said, but there's a higher variance in their outcomes than mm. than the than the roster suggests that there should be. Uh, yeah, I, I would agree with that. But uh, just for the sake for this clip, when the Blazers do knock out the Clippers uh, and Dame does listen to the show, I'm picking the Blazers in six. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's possible we could see that first round matchup. They're, what are they, six and four right now? The West is just trying to figure out the playoff yeah, picture right now. Yeah. It gives me a headache. Well, so, so, Dan, uh, I got one last question. Go ahead, oh, go ahead Kyler. No, I, I was going to say thank you for joining because I told him I was going to tell him you had one last question. Perfect. Last question, Dan Valley. Dan, thank you so much for coming on with us, spending time talking hoops today. So, obviously, uh, you advocated at the beginning of this um, for not riding for free, and we heard we heard that. So, what advice would you give an 18 to 20 year old who is wanting to get into sports riding? He's probably going to college for that general degree or something, but he, he loves sports as a passion, wants to get into sports riding. What advice would you give him on that path? The three things that I've always tell people when they reach out to me, and I also feel bad that they reach out to me because there are people who are better to reach out to, but is there's no one way to get to where you want to be. And so don't, you know, the comparison is the thief of joy. Um, mm -hmm. is something I've tried to keep in mind. You can follow your own path and get there. The two things that I won't say that you must do, but I think that can be useful is um, again, I understand people are going to write for free to get exposure on websites. If you can, yeah, I'm not, you know, the people who are trying to get in, I, I understand it, but publish your own thing. Like you could create a newsletter, make your own website right now, do something that you sort of have ownership and control over that would allow you to continue writing consistently. And no, you're not going to get paid for that, but there's something, um, MBA math would be a good example where I'm not, you know, the founder and editor in chief is responsible for everything, but there's something about putting your sweat and blood and equity into something that's more so yours. And I can see it with him that he appreciates it a ton. Um, and also, you gotta, you gotta have a podcast. <laughs> there needs to be podcasts at this point. Um, and I think a lot of, I don't know if outlets are dropping the ball, but their podcasts are becoming super popular. There's a lot out there and you need to figure out a way to distinguish yourself, whether it's, are, are you funny? Are you stat heavy? Are you breaking down film X's and O's? Um, find your niche and, and start a podcast because that's a great way. People are consuming audio like wild right yeah. now. And that's a way to reach a different demographic of, of people. And there are those who believe that, uh, podcasting is basically the, the future of not sports, but sports media. 
So um, those would be the sort of the three pillars that I would, um, you know, offer to people who are looking to break into the business. And if you are looking to start up that podcast, check out Blue Wire Hustle on Twitter. Check out um, Kevin Jones go, on free, Twitter. Free, so uh, free advertising for Blue Wire right there. I wasn't even absolutely. That wasn't yeah. even what I was trying to do. Absolutely. So shameless um, plugs everywhere. We're all about it. All about it. Do you uh, do you want to plug anything before we get out of here, Dan? No, I appreciate you guys having me on yeah. and uh, dropping my Twitter handle. That was um, that's all very nice of you. It was uh, it was fun. Dude, dude, this is a blast, man. Thank you so much.